Good morning, everyone. I think I might be on. Ah, good morning. Great to see all of you. My name is Michael Atmar. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, and I am so excited about the passage we're going to be diving into today. We're starting a new series this morning on the 23rd Psalm. Um, I would say the most famous poem in the history of the world. You're probably very familiar with this psalm. Um, and yet it's my prayer that as we dive into this over the next couple weeks, that these words will become more than just a nice idea or a concept or something that you expect to see on a plaque somewhere or perhaps um, on the back of a funeral bulletin of someone that you love, but that these words will become the cry of your heart and mind, that these words will become a deep reality in your life. And so I want to begin this morning by sharing a story of a time in my life when, when that happened, when these words uh, came off the page and became a reality in my heart and life. It was almost exactly a decade ago. It was uh, summer 2011, and I had the chance to spend the summer abroad in Barcelona, as Pete uh, so eloquently pronounced last week. Uh, we flew into Barcelona, and, and I was uh, staying at a seminary just on the outskirts of town in a small beach town called Castel de Fels. And um, I had studied Spanish my whole life in a classroom and realized that I still can't speak this language. I can make an A on this test, and I still am no good at Spanish. And so went all the way to Spain and had the most amazing summer working with missionaries over there, spending time around these seminary students. We got to partner with local churches in the area, teach vacation Bible school to kids. It was an amazing summer. And I actually want to show you a picture of the seminary. This is called Ibste. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the only evangelical seminaries I'm aware of in Spain. And, and this is the seminary facility. I got to stay in these dorms right here. We did some projects, uh, kind of some service projects around the seminary. But really, I got to know all of these students. They're amazing men and women of God. Um, but what I didn't consider when I planned this summer in Spain, uh, I really was going all alone. I didn't have any, you know, uh, of my buddies from back home with me. I, I was so excited about what I was going to be doing during the day, I didn't really think about how lonely the nights would be. <laughs> so I would go back to my dorm room, and like the day was over, and everyone had different things they were doing, and I just sat there by myself, and I was like, this is going to be a long summer. And, uh, and I remember going up to the roof of that seminary, that's why I wanted to show it to you, because I would, they found a little guitar they had like in the basement, and I would just go up there and like strum on the guitar and pray and read my Bible and just like ask God, what have I done? <laughs> what am I doing here? Uh, I'm all alone. I'm thousands of miles away from anybody that I know. And, uh, and I remember it was God's kindness to me. The very first Sunday I was there, one of the men from the seminary, was, one of the students was preaching at a local church there. And, uh, and we all went there to worship. And I'll never forget what Edu preached on. He's become a close friend, he and his family, um, for my wife Erin and I. And Edu opens the scriptures that Sunday and says, El Señor es mi pastor, nada me falta. El Señor es mi pastor, nada me falta. And so the Spanish speakers in the room know what I said. The rest of you probably can guess that he was preaching from Psalm 23, and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And I remember for me, I, I spent a lot of nights up on that roof all by myself, and over the course of the summer, as I was just praying that prayer over and over, this psalm 
maybe more than any other passage of Scripture I'm aware of, it becomes a reality as you pray it. Like, as I was reading through this and saying, Lord, I need you to be my shepherd. You are my pastor. My pastor. You are my shepherd, Lord. And he met with me, friends, in some ways that I, I, uh, I can't even describe to you the ways that he was such a comfort to my soul, the ways that he provided for me emotionally, mentally, spiritually. He also provided some amazing relationships with, with people at the seminary, and, uh, and it became an amazing summer. But what I want all of us to consider this morning, I want you to think about a time in your life like I had up on the roof of that seminary, that building, when you have thought to yourself, maybe you're in this season right now, does anybody really care about me? Like, have you ever asked yourself the question, like, is there anyone really who's looking out for me? Or am I all alone? And, and I will never forget the lessons of that summer because the Lord became my shepherd. Not just a shepherd, not just somebody else's shepherd, but he became my shepherd. And I wonder if you know him like that today. Because what we're going to see as we dive into Psalm 23 is that when we come under the care of our shepherd, of the good shepherd, he causes our souls to be content, to be calmed, and to be cured of all the ailments and afflictions of our soul. When we come under the care of the good shepherd, he causes our souls to be content, to be calmed, and to be cured. And it's my prayer that everyone in this room would experience that as a reality today as we dive in to this passage. So look back with me. I know it's familiar. Um, we're going to just take it bit by bit and ask the Lord to to make it real to our hearts today. If you'll notice in your Bible, if you have it open it says, there's a little inscription before we actually dive into verse 1, and it says it's a psalm of David. And, and what's so important about that reality is David is not just thinking of some nice, uh, you know, romantic uh, image that he has no connection to personally. This man knew what it was to spend time in the field. When the Lord made his promises to David in the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel 7, he promised that David would be king and there would be one of his descendants on the throne forever. In fact, that promise points ahead to the good shepherd himself who would come from David's line. But when God called him and made this promise to him, do you know what he said? He said, David, don't forget, I took you from the pasture. I took you from the field where you spent hours you spent countless nights, days, weeks, months, years with the sheep. And so David, when he prays, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, you've got to think about all the countless memories and stories that are coming to mind for him. He knows exactly what he's saying. He's saying, I'm under the care of the most skillful, wise, loving, powerful shepherd that there is. And by the way, that means I'm a sheep. Like, I am constantly going astray, and he is constantly caring for me and coming to get me. I wonder, do you know the Lord in this way? You see, what David is going to say is, the Lord is, and then therefore I shall. This is a rhythm of David's life. You can read another psalm just like this. Just a, If you probably turn your, your Bible just one page over in Psalm 27, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, for David, his outlook on life is bound up in the realities of the character of the Lord. He rehearses over and over, this is who the Lord is, and therefore I shall view my life this way. My emotional state shall be fill in the blank. My mental state shall be fill in the blank. My spiritual state, because my, my identity is bound up in the fact that I belong to this shepherd. He is my shepherd. Notice that he says the Lord. He could just say God, the generic term Elohim, but he says the covenant name, the personal name for God, the Lord. Remember when God revealed himself to the patriarchs, when he revealed himself to Moses, this would no doubt be in David's mind that David is calling on this God, the one who passed before Moses and said, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. David says, that God, the Lord, he is my shepherd. He's the one taking care of me right now. Infinitely wise, infinitely powerful, infinitely loving. I'm under the care of that shepherd. As we keep going, I want us to see how, just how sweet this phrase, my shepherd, is. Because if you were to survey throughout the Old Testament and just ask the question, where does the Lord show up as the shepherd of his people? It's kind of overwhelming. There's, there's countless references to the Lord being the shepherd of his people, and it's always that he is our shepherd. He is the shepherd collectively of his people. And in, in the Eastern culture in which David's writing, that is, that's how it works. It's so communal. It's so family-oriented. Our identity is bound up in our family. For our Western American ears, we hear the Lord is my shepherd, and it sounds like everything we've ever been taught about a personal relationship with Jesus, which is right. But I think we need to hear how startling this is in Psalm 23. Oftentimes in the West, we need to be reminded that our faith is intensely communal, that we can't know the Lord accurately. We can't grow in him without each other. We need each other in order to know him more fully. But what David is saying here, in a culture where it's always the Lord is our shepherd, he's the shepherd of all of us, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you feel how personal this is for David? Think about all the memories that are flooding back through his mind. Think about how this is in the present tense. It's a reality today for David. This is like one of the sheep in the flock looking up at the shepherd saying, that one who's leading us, who's skillfully caring for us, he's my shepherd. Do you know him like that today? Are you resting in his loving care? Do you know that someone is taking care of you even right now? This is where David finds all of his confidence. You know, um, Derek Kidner, who uh, is a famous commentator on the Psalms, what he says about this image of the shepherd, he says that David has used the most comprehensive and intimate metaphor yet encountered in the Psalms. Because if you were to read through Psalms 1 through 22, what you would find is that the psalmists prefer usually the more distant king or deliverer or the impersonal rock or shield Whereas what David says here, he's saying the shepherd lives with his flock 
and is everything to it. It's guide, it's physician, it's protector. And so I wonder, is the Lord your guide and your physician and your protector functionally today? Is he the one that you're looking to to care for your soul in that way? Who or what is getting in the way of that right now? Who or what are you tempted to turn to as a lesser shepherd? You know, I was thinking about this in my own life. When I think about this image of a guide, how often for our outlook in life do we just, we look at our phones and we, we wonder what's happening in the news today. Let's just scroll through and, and get caught up in the 24-7 news cycle. Or let's, let's, uh, let's scroll through social media and see what's happening with all these people that I kind of know. And I'm just going to determine my outlook in life based on what this says rather than who the Lord is. I also think about what about times when you, when your soul is just, uh, is weary and anxious and, and instead of turning to the Lord to calm you down, you look to Netflix, right? That great physician of our souls. I mean, and, and, or maybe for you, maybe when you think about the Lord as your protector, the reality is you're not looking to him to be the one who is causing you to be secure, to dwell secure, but you're looking instead to your bank account and what you've accomplished, saying, I can, I can carry the weight of my own life. I can take care of myself. What David says is true contentment comes from knowing that I can't take care of myself, but there is one who can. And he cares for me so well that I lack nothing. Another trip that I want to tell you about, I'm telling you about my two favorite trips of all time uh, in, this, uh, in this message, and uh, I had the chance to see this in action, what it means for the Lord to be my shepherd and for, for us to lack nothing when that's true of us. I had the chance to travel with, uh, with two men and two women from our church family over to India right before the pandemic hit. And some of you guys have heard me talk about this trip, but I want to show you just a few pictures. This is the team, Terrence Campbell, Haley Rhyme, Jordan Goody, Peyton Silva. This is Shaju Iso. Brother Shaju, I love this guy. Uh, and then I'm the tall, goofy one over there on that side. And uh, it was an amazing trip. Like, this trip was incredible. But one of the things that we, that we got to experience was not just kind of the touristy stuff. This was the last day of the trip before we were going to fly out the next day. We got to go to the Taj Mahal. It was awesome. But this was more the reality throughout the trip. We got to go to the dedication of a new church building and this is in rural northern India, and, um, and we got to be there for like the ribbon cutting of this new space, this new building. I wonder if you've ever been to a ribbon cutting of a church building, um, but these believers were just amazing brothers and sisters in the Lord, and they lived so humbly. Like we got invited into the pastor's home, and it was, uh, it was a very humble home, but we were we were welcomed and loved and cared for so well in that space. And, and, I, and when we walked into this building right here, uh, this is a brand new church, mind you. And so we walk in there, and the first thing we thought is, we're lacking something in this room. There are no chairs. Like, where is everyone supposed to sit? And of course, everyone comes on in and sits down on the ground. Everyone's so overjoyed to, that the Lord has provided, overjoyed to be in his presence. And throughout this trip, one of the themes that we just kept coming back to is these believers lack nothing. Like they might not have, like I'm over here in America constantly thinking about what I don't have, but then I got to go be with my brothers and sisters in India and realize if the Lord is your shepherd, you have everything. You lack nothing. He cares for you so well. The things that your soul really needs to thrive, he provides those things. And, uh, 
And so it's just a powerful image in my mind being with these men and women over in India. And it is a reminder. I just want to say this church in particular is pastored by a man named Pastor Jeevan, and he could use our prayers. He uh, currently is sick with COVID. If you've read in the news about India, it's really serious over there. He actually lost his wife um, just a couple weeks back to COVID. And so his, his daughters are caring for him, and he's actually um, recovering. But please pray for Pastor Jeevan for our our brothers and sisters over there in India. Um, But they taught us so much about what it means to lack nothing when the Lord is our shepherd. Jonathan Edwards said it this way, there is a sweet contentment and rest that the soul of a true saint has in God. A sweet contentment and rest. Is that characterizing you today? Experiencing divine love, he goes on to say, tends to cause the soul to account it enough to have God. Do you account it enough to have God? Do you know him as your shepherd in that way? And one more quote, I'll I'll just throw this out there for you. Uh, Charles Spurgeon commenting on this verse, one of the things that he said that I thought just was so helpful and reminded me of these men and women that we got to spend time with, our dear brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, I have all things in abound, not because I have a good, good store of money in the bank, not because I have skill and wit, with which to win my bread, but because the Lord is my shepherd. Do you feel that contentment of soul that comes from knowing that one infinitely skilled and wise and powerful and loving is taking care of you right now? And before we move any further, I just want to say, if you feel like, man, this is really nice that for David, the Lord was his shepherd, but he couldn't possibly care about me in that way. I think we have to remember that this, this is the same man who, who sinned grievously against God, who committed adultery with Bathsheba, who had her husband killed on the front lines of battle, whose family was a mess as a result of the sin and folly in his life, whose son Absalom came after him to kill him, to take over the throne. David was a man who knew what it was to go astray from God, and yet the Lord never stopped chasing him. And I want to tell every one of you today, the Lord is chasing you, and he loves you, and he delights to bring his sheep back into the fold. Do you hear his voice this morning saying, look nowhere else for contentment. Come to me. I will shepherd your soul, and you will have all that you need. You will have no lack. I will care for you like no one else can. And so we see that when we come under the shepherd's care, he causes our souls to be content, but not only that, he causes our souls to be calmed. I think this was my favorite part of my preparation for this message. Read back with me through verse 2. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Do you feel the calm and the peace the tranquility of this scene. As we dive into each one of these words, I just want us to see what he's saying here. When he says, he makes me lie down, I used to always think this is like my four-year-old case making Declan, my two-year-old, lie down in like a pin move in a wrestling match. Um, And I think the Lord's willing to do that, and he does that in our lives sometimes. But what this is really talking about is he allows me to rest. He settles me down. It's a lot more like my wife Erin and I grabbing our boys as they're like, you know, flailing around and putting them in bed so that they can go to sleep 
and they want to go do more stuff. They want more activity. They want to keep running around. And we say, you need to rest. We settle them down and tuck them in and tell them that we love them. This is what our shepherd does for us. He says, you can afford to rest because I'm taking care of you. I know what you need before you ask it. And I'm committed to your good. I love you. And the moments where you feel like, is anybody really looking out for me? He's, he's whispering in this psalm, I am. I care for you. I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures. Think about the image for David. David is, is painting the picture of a skillful shepherd here. He knows the rhythms of sheep. He knows that they wake up and they, they graze all morning. And notice, this, these are green, lush pastures. And, and like every skillful shepherd, he knows that he has to plan his day around where is the flock going to get water in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. And so D David is walking through this image of how a shepherd cares for his sheep. He provides green pasture. He provides still water. The word here, uh, still waters, the Hebrew is waters of rest. That word for still, it, is, it means resting place, a place of quiet and composure. Do you see what, what David is saying here? He's saying that God, he stills my soul. He gives me the nourishment I need for my soul in his word. You see what Jesus says in, in John 10, the famous good shepherd passage, he says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Brothers and sisters, when we open God's word, the good shepherd opens his mouth. Do you hear him calling to you, saying, come and be with me. I will nourish your soul. There's no risk of you biting on the bare ground. These are lush green pastures in my word. Come and feast. Come and enjoy. Or think about the still waters. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this he said about the Spirit. Do you know what it is for the Spirit to lead you, to remind you of the truth of God's word, to remind you that the Father loves you, to pour out the love of the Father into your heart? In the same way that the shepherd leads his flock in the middle of the day to be refreshed and watered, do you turn your heart to the Lord saying, Lord, I need you to refresh me by your Spirit. I need your Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need you to remind me of what is true. I need you to remind me of all that Jesus taught me. Because I'm exhausted here in the middle of this day. Is this the rhythm of your life? Do you allow the Good Shepherd to lead you? Or are you still trying to lead yourself? Are you tired? Are you weary? Is your soul exhausted? Would you come to the one who will skillfully shepherd you? I love that this word in, in, uh, in verse 2, he leads me beside still waters. It's actually the same word that we read in Isaiah 40, verses 10 and 11. This is one of, the, one of the passages in the Old Testament that talks about Yahweh, the Lord, as the shepherd of his people. And I just want to read this. I want you to listen for this, this beautiful combination of power and love that we find in, in our shepherd. 
Isaiah 40, verse 10 through 11, it says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Do you know this about Jesus? He gently leads, and yet he has all power and is able to protect. You can afford to rest. You can afford to lie down because he has provided everything that you need. I want to share one more story from that same, that same trip. Um, if we can put that Taj Mahal picture back up there so I can show you Brother Shaju. So Shaju is an example of a skillful shepherd, an under-shepherd of the chief shepherd that is Jesus. Um, and I'm kind of like a shepherd in training, a little more of a rookie here. And so I I uh, got to lead the first part of this trip, and I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never been to India before. Um, we stayed at this hotel early on that, uh, that Terrence liked to call the Roach Motel, affectionately. And there, it was loud. There's cars driving by all night. There are loud noises. I, I grabbed Jordan and Terrence at one point. I was like, guys, if it gets crazy around here, we've got to protect our sisters, Okay. And they were like, yeah, we got you, Mike. And uh, so it was one of those nights where we were, we were a little bit on edge. We weren't exactly calmed. Um, but then later on in the trip, I remember Shaju was leading the charge. And he, we got to stay at this amazing hotel near the Taj Mahal. It was like super affordable. It was incredible. We ate delicious food. But also, he skillfully led us where we just did not worry about a thing. We were totally at peace. And I remember... Uh, not only in his leadership, but just in his life, this man represents for me this calm that we're talking about, of knowing what it is to be led by the good shepherd. I got to be Shaju's roommate one night as we were getting ready to go to the Taj Mahal the next day. And I remember he was sitting up in, in his bed, just like so peaceful, taking deep breaths. And he sat like that for about 30 minutes. And I, at one point I was like, Shaju, what are you doing? And he's like, Brother Michael, I'm just examining my day in prayer and asking the Lord if there were even five minutes where I gave the enemy, where I gave the enemy the opportunity to lead me. I'm just examining my day, asking him if I even gave five minutes to the enemy. See, this is a man who knows what it is to come under the care of the good shepherd. And he's constantly evaluating, where am I allowing someone else to shepherd me? Because that's exactly what the enemy wants. He says, you can take care of yourself. Look to this or that, this person or that person, this source of entertainment, this source of pleasure. Look to this to calm your soul. And the good shepherd is saying, that will never work. I'm the only one who can satisfy you. And this calmness, this settled inner repose of the soul beyond the reach of circumstance, it only comes when you're under the care of the good shepherd. I wonder, do you know him today? Are you functionally trusting in him today or in someone or something else? Because knowing the Lord is our shepherd causes our souls to be content and calm. But finally, and we'll end here for today, the first part of verse 3 says, He restores my soul. Our souls are cured of all of the sickness of soul that we experience when we come under his care. You see, this word for restored, it can mean he refreshes our souls. He revives our souls. It's the idea of returning. It's the returning of life or vitality to our souls. But also, it means he causes our souls to repent. He turns our souls. So I was thinking about it this way. Uh, 
about 70 of, of the men from our church got to spend time with uh, Pastor Jeff Wells, pastor up at Woods Edge, a church that, that we love, uh, uh, dear friends of ours. And, and one of the things he talked about, he talked about his, his battle with, with mental illness and with OCD, and he said that, that this psalm explains why he needs time with the Good Shepherd every day. He said, he restores my soul every day. I need this time. He refreshes me. He revitalizes me. It's my hope and prayer that in the same way that we aimed as a church family to commit the Beatitudes to memory, that you would pray through this psalm every day until you memorize it. That you would come on this journey with us. It's good for your soul. But also, in addition to refreshing us, he, he comes and gets us when we go way off, away from the flock. He's the, he's the good shepherd who comes and carries us on his shoulder and brings us back when we go astray. Uh, one scholar um, who spent a lot of time over in, um, in the Holy Land, uh, he, he said it this way, shepherds in Lebanon and the Holy Land have told me that once a sheep knows that it's lost, it tries to hide under a bush or rock and begins quivering and bleating. The shepherd must locate it quickly lest it be hurt and killed by a wild animal. On being found, it is usually too traumatized to walk and must be carried back to the flock or to the village. Does that not sound true in our lives? When we know we've strayed from the shepherd, we just hide. It's, we're so ashamed and embarrassed and traumatized. We don't have the strength to pick ourselves up and get back to the flock on our own, but he comes for us. I experienced this just a couple days, over the past two days I was preparing for this sermon, I got in a massive argument, fight with my wife, 100% my fault. Uh, and it's so humbling when you realize I am just acting in pride and selfishness and I'm just trying to defend myself. And what's needed is for me just to humble myself. And I was still in this mode of just trying to justify what I said and I clearly wounded my wife. I needed to just say, I was wrong for saying that. Will you forgive me? But before I could get there, the good shepherd came and got me. I was, I was, uh, I was reading, I'd been reading something in preparation for this sermon, and I came across 1 Peter, uh, I was in 1 Peter and came across 1 Peter 3, and it says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to her, lest your prayers should be hindered, by the way. Um, and as I was reading this, thinking through this, like, ah, oh, I know what I need to do. And then I get a call from one of my buddies who's kind of an accountability partner of mine. And he's like, hey, Mike, I, just, I was just calling to check. How's your marriage? It's like, oh, wow. And I felt the good shepherd chasing me down, coming to get me out of this place of danger and carrying me back. He causes our souls to repent. He turns us. And I can just tell you, as humbling as it is to allow yourself to be carried by the Good Shepherd, there's so much freedom there. There's so much contentment. Your soul is calmed. And, and honestly, I don't want to go off away from the flock. I just want to be near him because of how tenderly he loves me, how fiercely he loves me. Nothing can stop him from chasing down those that are his own. And I'm here to tell you, if you are in this room and you are hearing this, Jesus is calling you to himself. He's saying, would you lay down the control of your life and allow me to carry you? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
You see, if you ask, how do we know we can trust him as the shepherd? He's the only shepherd who became a sheep. In Isaiah 53, it says this. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In the book of Revelation, we read that he's still called the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in the book of Revelation, here's what we read. Revelation 7, 17, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friends, if you don't know him as your shepherd, would you pray this psalm and say, Jesus, I need you to be my shepherd. I have strayed away from you. Would you cause my soul to repent? I'm coming under your care. I need you. I want to follow you. Would you trust in him? And if you know him as your shepherd, but you have wandered off, or maybe your soul is just weary, would you come back under his care today? Say, Lord, I need you to be my shepherd. And what you will find is your soul will be content and calmed and cured. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that this is true, that you didn't leave us alone wandering off towards death, but you came for us and you died in our place. And you are alive forevermore as the good shepherd, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, we trust you. We need you. Would you help us to follow you? Help us to hear your voice, to be refreshed by your spirit. Teach us to pray and commune with you even from this psalm. And I pray that you would make us a people who, um, who follow you faithfully and enjoy being under your care and that delight to tell others of what it's like to be in your flock. We love you, Jesus. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.